Hi, I'm Chantelle. And I'm Matthew. And we're founders of Fifth Place, where our mission is to make the world a better place by enabling the how. Welcome, Welcome to, to our Emotions Matter, Matter Really podcast. In this podcast, we explore everything about emotions, feelings, and what it is to become and remain emotionally fit. We delve into everything about emotions, emotional well-being, and mental health. We interrogate the taboo around expressing and talking about emotions and feelings. We talk about all those things we want less of, like stress, anxiety, and burnout, and the things we want more of, like sleep, calm, and self-care. We explore tools, tips and techniques for managing your emotions. We examine what it means to be emotionally fit and why this equals a better quality of life. Do you ban? Well, let's see. In this episode, we are going to look at what we mean by the acronym B-A-N or BAN and what it has to do with emotions. We explore the multitude of ways we ban, as well as some of the more resourceful ways we deal with the way we feel. So do you, Matthew? Do you ban your emotions? I think we all do, to some extent, now, and again, maybe more. But, so, yes. Uh, we know we should take better care of our emotional state and emotional fitness, often referred to as our mental health, the question is, why don't we? Why don't we indeed? I believe there are two main reasons why we don't take better care of emotion, our emotional state. The first, people don't know how. And secondly, people don't want to. So if we look at the first one, although they may want to, people don't really know how to manage their emotional state. There are, of course, the known approaches of medication, therapy, meditation, exercise, good diet, rest and regular breaks. But some of it works some of the time, but nothing really works all of the time. And time is often the constraint here. The other reason is that people don't want to deal with their emotions. They don't want to deal with them because it is just too painful and unpleasant. And because of the stigma and the perceived need to be vulnerable and expose oneself. It all feels too messy. So we ban our emotions in a variety of not so resourceful ways. Yes, indeed. It reminds me of that little joke. How many coaches or therapists does it take to change a light bulb? How many? Well, one. But the light bulb has to want to change. <laughs> It has to want to change. So what do we mean when we say we ban our emotions? We bury, avoid and numb. In other words, ban our emotions. It's another way of describing poor emotion regulation strategies. Yes, a number of research studies have shown us the connection between banning emotions and the quality of our physical health. Having poor emotion regulation strategies is a risk factor for developing heart diseases. Stress and suppressing emotions can contribute to irritable bowel syndrome or exaggerated symptoms. And did you know that there's even a link between emotional stress and diabetes? Wow. 
And it doesn't matter what the emotion is, sadness, anxiety, anger, frustration, isolation, humiliation, you name it, burying, avoiding or numbing the emotion puts additional strain and stress on the body. Think of emotions like waves on the shoreline. They should roll in and roll out. Only when they get stuck in our body do problems occur. So banning emotions are the unresourceful strategies we employ to deal with our unpleasant, painful emotions. And you know, Matthew, when we do our workshops, we ask our participants for examples of banning. And we get a long list of these. Participants come up with them pretty quickly and easily because we've all done some of them at some stage. So let's go through a few of the more popular, in inverted commas, strategies for banning our emotions. Okay. The first banning strategy that comes to mind, because we see so much of it, is unhealthy eating. Like too much greasy fast food, too many empty carbohydrates, and way too much sugar. The interesting thing is that initially stress shuts down the appetite. This is because the adrenaline that is released initiates the fight and flight response, which temporarily puts a hold on one's desire to eat. Mm. But then, if the stress continues, another hormone is released, this time cortisol, which increases your appetite. So from a research perspective, what it shows is that unfortunately, eating the fast food, the burgers, chips, sugar-filled donuts and so on, seems to have a positively received feedback effect that dampens the stress response. So this food literally becomes the comfort food that we talk about. So we fill ourselves up to feel better while not attending to the underlying reason for the stress or distress. And as a result, we invariably will put on weight and now we have another problem to deal with. Mm -hmm. And then maybe coupled with this, we feel bad about putting on the extra weight, yet another problem. Mm, oh yay, it's a vicious cycle. No wonder we all gained weight during lockdown. But on the other side of the unhealthy eating coin is not eating enough. This can be as a result of redirecting our focus from what we cannot control, that is the way we feel, to what we can control and then being overly controlling about what goes into our bodies. In this case, there's just too much focus on how our body looks, or rather how we perceive that it looks, rather than on how it and we feel. This is a form of avoiding. So this control can be taken to the extreme of self-starvation, also known as anorexia nervosa, or in binging and purging, known as bulimia. Mm. The next example of banning is one that is not only socially supported, but one that we love to lean on. Who hasn't said, oh, I've had such a stressful day, I need a stiff drink. Alcohol or drugs is a favorite go-to strategy for masking unpleasant and difficult emotions. And you don't need to be addicted to use alcohol and or drugs to relax, calm your anxiety or numb yourself. And again, addictions are not actually the problem. They are a solution to the problem of dealing with trauma, depression or stress and other difficult emotions. Okay, so another one. 
Put your hand up if you have ever been overly attached to your screen. Yes, here's looking at you, phone. That one that sits in your hand and is almost an extension of it. Can you get immersed in your social media feeds and channels? I know how easy it is to get lost in the endless scrolling. It sucks me in. And the next minute I've wasted 15, 20, even 30 minutes of my time. And I say wasted because often it's mindless scrolling. Up, down, left, right. Going nowhere and achieving nothing. Yes, and social media can be particularly addictive because when a person posts a picture and they receive positive social feedback, all those likes and hearts, this stimulates the brain to release dopamine, rewarding that behavior and perpetuating the social media habit. And talking about screens, what about computer or video gaming? There have been some scary stories of teens and young adults just disappearing into those games. Well, not just them. I've also seen many older adults disappear into these too. I have a nemesis that sometimes takes me on a long detour during the day to try and win shields. And when I was in a less than healthy space in my life, I could go for hours gaming long and late deep into the night. And continuing on the subject of screens, there is the mindless TV and series binge watching. That's a great way to escape reality and it's made really easy these days with a range of options on offer. Netflix was the undisputed leader for a while, but now everyone else wants to get on the bandwagon. HBO, Apple, Hulu, Amazon, Disney, to name a few. There's so much available to watch that literally days can be used up by staring at that screen. Yes, we can relate, especially during lockdown. But let's change tack and look at something a little different. The ubiquitous retail therapy that actually isn't. Hmm. That awful overspending on things not really needed. That momentary thrill of acquiring something. Gain that dopamine rush. Hmm. Gives a fleeting lift to the spirits. Until the credit card is maxed and the bills need to be paid. Ugh. And it's made so easy with all the online shopping available. Actually, if you look at all of these, it seems like anything in excess can be a sign of banning. Mm -hmm. And then as we were talking and before we move on, there's something that's particularly close to home that we haven't covered under the banning subject. And I should say it cuts close to home. I'm talking here about self-harm by cutting, burning, hitting or biting oneself. I used to self-harm as a teenager. I would cut myself with anything sharp that I could find. Knives, a maths compass, Stanley knife, razor blades, you name it. I would also burn myself, heating up a nail with a candle and then marking my body. I even tried rolling myself down the stairs. The sad thing is, self-harm often goes unnoticed because the evidence is often hidden by clothing. And the physical pain that is inflicted results in an emotional release of the psychological pain. I can attest to this. My self-harm gave me relief from the insane feelings that I just couldn't get rid of and didn't know how to deal with. And taking self-harm to the extreme, a place from which there is no comeback, or so I thought, is suicide. I attempted suicide twice in an attempt to numb 
forever the way I was feeling. I survived trying to gas myself when I was 17 and taking an overdose of prescription medication when I was 22. Sure, that is very sobering, Matthew, and scary. And it talks to the importance of being able to deal with our emotions more resourcefully. Yes, indeed. And I tell you what, though, today I am grateful that I am alive and especially grateful to be doing this work. I realized that if I had succeeded in ending my life, then there'd be no fifth place, no shape of emotion, and the many thousands of people whose world has become a better place through our work would have been poorer off for me being gone. Mm -hmm. I realized too that all of us have a gift to give the world, and it's actually our job to discover it, hone it, and share it with the world. There's no one like me, or like you, or you, or even you. What is your unique gift to give the world? That is a great question, and a good place to turn to the many ways that we can manage our emotions more resourcefully. Ways that are simple and easy, and sometimes completely overlooked for being so obvious. Let's now take a look at some examples of these more positive ways of dealing with our unpleasant emotions. And what we're going to do is we're going to have a look at them from the view of our five pillars. So our five pillars at fifth place are moving, nourishing, relating, thinking, and feeling. Okay, let's start with moving. Getting active is an important inclusion in any mental and emotional fitness strategy. Exercising, like going for a walk, running, swimming, dancing, yoga, even jumping up and down. Anything that gets the blood circulating and the air flowing into your body. And there is a neurochemical basis to the mental benefits of aerobic exercise. Exercise reduces levels of the body's stress hormones such as adrenaline and cortisol. It also stimulates the production of endorphins that are the body's natural painkillers and mood elevators. Endorphins are responsible for what is known as the runner's high and result in feelings of relaxation and optimism that accompany many hard workouts. Hey, that's pretty cool to hear. It sort of reminds me or is a test to the notion that I believe that we shouldn't sit as much as we've been doing and being active really is beneficial. And I guess as you tone up and become trimmer, you will feel an improvement in your strength, your stamina and your self-image will get a boost too which will in turn then improve your mood, your outlook, and you'll feel that lovely sense of achievement. Yes, indeed. And now let's move to the next pillar, which is nourishing. And in this case, nourishing covers a wide range of elements that includes but is not limited to eating well. Yes, usually if you think about nourishing, you want to focus on food. But let's start the list with something that's maybe not so obvious. Nourish yourself by getting into nature, into the sunshine and the fresh air. Vitamin D has been shown to be lacking in people with anxiety and depression. And this is then all the more reason to get more of those rays. Research done in the United Kingdom found that people visiting and noticing nature was very important in supporting their well-being. Our favorite thing about this particular piece of research is that the researchers used the term connectedness to describe the ideal relationship that one can have with nature. 
This ideal relationship includes becoming more aware of your natural surroundings, using all your senses to experience nature, no matter how incidental. Visiting a small park, making an effort to get out of the city, or even growing your own indoor plants can bring the outside and, nat and nature in, and are always to connect with nature. Even watching a documentary about nature has a positive effect on mental health. And by the way, connectedness is one of our core qualities at Fifth Place. Another way to nourish yourself is to have a massage. And one of the immediate benefits of massage is a feeling of deep relaxation and calm. And this occurs because massage prompts the release of endorphins, the brain chemicals that produce feelings of well-being. And then the stress hormones, adrenaline, cortisol and norepinephrine are also reduced through massage. And being an aromatherapist, I love the feel of the oils and the scents of the fragrances. I have found that these too add to that blissful state of being. And among other things, massage can help to ease muscle pain and tension in the body. It's been known to relieve headaches as well as neck and back pain. And massage can also strengthen the immune system. That's something I didn't know. Aromatherapy impacts the body in beneficial ways, physically as well as emotionally. In the hands of a skilled therapist, the essential oils that get used in aromatherapy can relieve headaches, calm the nerves, help with feelings of anxiety, aid in sleep, clear sinuses, relieve muscle aches and pains, and even do away with household germs. And if you combine the benefits of massage and aromatherapy, then it leads to all sorts of lovely positive impacts on our health. I do have to say though, be warned, aromatherapy does require knowledge and skill in its use. Many oils are not meant to be ingested neat or undiluted, and due to their concentrated nature, less is definitely more when it comes to using essential oils. Mm. Yes, less is more seems to be a theme. If you can't get a massage, a nice hot bath or shower can do wonders too. And Epsom salts in your bath can promote detoxification and promote healing. It certainly assists relaxation and releases muscle tension. Yes, I know that when we switched to standing desks and our feet were taking strain, the thing that gave us huge relief mm -hmm. was soaking our feet in a basin of Epsom salts. Another way of nourishing yourself is getting creative. Researchers have found that 45 minutes of creative activity can significantly lessen stress in the body. It's a great way to ease anxiety and then address other low moods and states. So what can you do to be creative? Well, write, draw, paint, knit, sew, stick, cut, saw, hammer, play, potter, garden, make and bake. And you might even have something yummy to nourish yourself with at the end. But remember, don't eat the whole cake because that could be looked on as banning. Less is more, as we said before. And when you express yourself creatively, it helps restore your agency, that sense of control and purpose because you are focusing on the task before you. This helps you forget your worries and feel more at ease. Creative ventures also help fight anxiety as they activate the parts of your brain that process emotions. Music and art, for example, can help to calm brain activity 
and allow you to feel a sense of emotional harmony. Plus, once you've finished with the project, you'll have the sense of purpose and fulfillment, and this can help decrease stress and restlessness in other aspects of your life. Also, if you choose activities that involve others, you get the added benefit of combating depression and loneliness. So things like dance classes, art classes, pottery groups, and other social activities can be very helpful for those suffering from emotional distress. Think about it. When you are completely engaged doing something that is creative, you get into the flow. Your body releases dopamine, and this reduces anxiety, boosts your mood, and even slows your heart rate. Hmm. It's interesting to note, but not surprising, that the pillar with the most resourceful examples for dealing with your emotions is the nourishing pillar. Yes, indeed. I must say, all that talk of cake, well, anyway, let's move on to the pillar of relating. Relating, for us, is about connectedness. And in this case, it's that social connection with friends and family. Interaction with those you like and trust can really help to lessen your worries. The National Alliance on Mental Illness in the United States identifies three beneficial elements that having a community provides, and they are belonging, support, and purpose. Belonging is about having a sense of community that allows you to be part of a group as your true self, while having your most positive qualities acknowledged and embraced. So you feel that you belong because in this community or group, you feel safe to be who you are and then are validated for being that too. The second one is support. When you're feeling down or struggling with something, having somebody to call and talk to can make you feel cared for and safe to help you work through your emotions. And then feeling a sense of purpose in your group or community because you are able to give support and be part of the solution too. Hmm. Psychology Today explains that social connectedness generates a positive feedback loop of social, emotional and physical well-being. So people who are connected with their friends, family, support groups and their community usually show or have the following characteristics. Lower rates of depression and anxiety. They feel more empathetic towards others. They have higher self-esteem. They're more trusting towards others. They exhibit less antisocial behavior and have lower rates of suicide and suicidal behaviors. And social connectedness can also help you recover from disease faster and it may even help you live longer. There are lots of benefits to being part of a community. For the fourth pillar, thinking, we focus on reflective practice and learning as ways to deal with the way you feel. And I'm going to cover this particular pillar with a first example being journaling, which is something that I love to do, which offers a healthy way to reflect and think about the way you feel. It allows you to express yourself in a safe way and it can help to prioritize concerns, identify negative thoughts and behaviors and provides an opportunity for positive self-talk. It's an opportunity to get it all out on the page that rather than have it stuck in your head. Learning something new is another example. Learning something that interests and inspires you can do a lot to lift your mood and redirect your focus. And finally, let's not forget the triad of therapy, coaching and counselling. 
These modalities all support safe exploration into behaviours that are no longer serving you, including limiting beliefs and unresourceful patterns. They do this primarily by encouraging reflective practice and actively designing strategies to change behaviours. Well, I'm glad you did that thinking one. I know that uh, I can sometimes think too much. (laughs) Yes, and we sometimes, well, actually not just sometimes, we say we think too much and we feel too little. But we're really talking about here about reflective practice and learning, not so much about being stuck in your head, but while we're talking about getting out of your head and into your body, I think you should talk about the final pillar, and that is of feeling. Yes, so we come to the fifth pillar, the fifth pillar of fifth place, the pillar of feeling. Try saying that quickly a few times. And this is about connecting to your inner state. The first thing that comes to mind is prayer and or meditation. It's very important to develop a spiritual or mindfulness practice because this connects you to a higher power or brings you back to the here and now and can assist in relieving a negative state as well as bring about comfort as well. Of course, something that fits very nicely into this pillar is doing shape of emotion a mindfulness and bodyfulness-based practice that we developed here at 5th Place, and it supports building emotional resilience, getting more emotionally fit, and becoming more robust psychologically. We use Shape of Emotion in our live online sessions called Emotional Fitness Classes, and it's something that can be taught as well as learnt. We have an online audio course called How to Master Your Emotions that explains what shape of emotion is, how it works and how it can be used if you would like to know more. That course is a great introduction to shape of emotion and we've included a link to it in the podcast overview information. You know, I think it would be a useful exercise to take some time for yourselves to take stock of the ways you manage your emotions to become aware of your emotional state, and then to consider what you do to deal with the way you feel, but with no judgment, and considering both the unresourceful as well as the resourceful practices you engage in, because we all do a bit of both. Yes, doing a list like this can grow your self-awareness around how you manage your mental health and emotional fitness, and it also gives you something that you can then work towards, choosing time to work with and Maybe cross off some of those things, change behaviours and so on. Because self-awareness doesn't in and of itself lead to a change in behaviour, but without it, we will stay stuck. In the last episode of our podcast, we both love Winken, Blinken and Nod. So we've decided to add a new section to our podcast and include a short poem at the end of each episode. Chantelle loves poetry, both reading and writing. So I now have the honour and privilege of introducing her to read the poem we've chosen to close out this episode of Emotions Matter, Really. Invitation by Mary Oliver Oh, do you have the time to linger for just a little while out of your busy and very important day? For the goldfinches have gathered in a field of thistles for a musical battle, to see who can sing the highest note, or the lowest, or the most expressive of mirth, or the most tender. 
Their strong, blunt beaks drink the air as they strive melodiously, not for your sake, and not for mine, and not for the sake of winning, but for sheer delight and gratitude. Believe us, they say, it is a serious thing just to be alive on this fresh morning in the broken world. I beg of you, do not walk by without pausing to attend to this rather ridiculous performance. It could mean something. It could mean everything. It could be what Rilke meant when he wrote, you must change your life. Hmm, how beautiful. In a world of endless distractions, many of them disconnecting, Mary Oliver's poem asks for you to pay attention, particularly to the things you might take for granted. If you pause for a moment, even for something as seemingly inconsequential as a few birds singing, as she so beautifully described, maybe just watching the clouds go by, looking at some flowers, then you too may find unexpected joy in these experiences. So until we meet again, be kind, be gentle, be creative and caring to you. And from me, Chantal, bye for now. And from me, Matthew, whatever you pay attention to, may it bring you much joy. And bye for now. If you enjoyed this podcast and haven't done so already, please subscribe. You can also find out more about what we do by visiting our website, fifth.place. Yes, that's all it is. Fifth dot place, the number five, th dot place. And just a reminder that if you wish to learn more about Shape of Emotion, we invite you to take our mini audio course called How to Master Your Emotions. Mm-hmm.